Blog Talk Radio. Urban Glory Radio. Simply Glory.
Good evening. We are continuing our study on higher learning concerning holiness. Higher learning concerning holiness, part two, and our lesson is entitled The Theology of Holiness Revealed. The Theology of Holiness Revealed. And of course, you know, theology is a, a term a definition for God logic. So as we study today, we're going to get into the Word of God very in depthly and get a more uh, uh, in, intricate um, concepts on holiness. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made. We rejoice and are glad. We do thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and the truth is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit as educator and guide to give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified for it is in the name of Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory in Jesus' precious name. We begin in in Isaiah chapter 35, verses 1 through 8. And we saw that the Lord had delighted as a result of the children of Israel being in captivity, provided a way of escape. And the way of escape would be a totally new reality. And that reality would be crafted around holiness. And a an highway shall be there, and the way shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. And so we approach this subject from from the beauty of God providing a better way, a prophetic declaration given by Isaiah as the holiness, as a route, a path, a place, as a description that causes um, us to uh, totally change our reality, something that only God could give. We learned his personality, his power, and the promises of God through it. We also talked about establishing functional holiness, meaning looking at the um in in looking at Old Testament passages, we learn the beauty of holiness. It's a beauty, it's an attribute of God's thing that it was that it was crafted in writing and worship. Writing not as necessarily on the on the as far as establishing the law or anything, but the writing as far as a covenant oath that um and, and, and a sacrificial act for those who are covenanted to carry forth the, um, the the standard of holiness. We see the example of the Levitical priesthood, how the priests were war holy is is the Lord on them as a sign of the covenant, that they are connected, committed to God till death. And we looked at the beautiful passage in Psalms 29 about God will give strength to his people because he is the Lord. He blesses them with peace. So we saw that God's nature thrives off of his love for humanity and that God's nature serves as the source of transferring the covenant to them. What was the covenant embedded in? The holy and righteousness of his name, which is indicative of his integrity. And and having sacred reverence for his name through the redemptive work and adoption and atonement, we have access to God's best. Not just God's, so happens, uh, you know, God's reality, but he gives us the best of his reality. So God's nature serves as the source of salvation, transferring the covenant to them that dare 
uplift his holy and righteous name. And then we also learn that it's a place, again, it's set to take a habitation, providing an inward stability by the Holy Spirit, which is an awakening to the advantages of having Jesus Christ as Lord. And Christ is not Jesus' last name, but the Holy Spirit that he had indwelt within him that has been transferred to us, that enables us. That's why the scripture says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us because it's at that place that we we develop true holiness. So holiness is often mis, misconstrued, um, um, misconstrued because of the traditions of men. And there are enemies to holiness, religious that is uh, accepted without proper time of thought, rules applied without understanding, and restrictions on conduct without character of ethical conviction. So we see that often. People try to say, you ought to do this because this is the way it's done. No, you need to be given time to think. You need to have an understanding, and you need to have characteristics that you can identify as things that will give you conviction to develop your ethics and your morals. Okay, so holiness is a reflection of the nature of God. It's a revelation of his plan for humanity, and it's it's a reform enabled by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It is, it is the right way to ultimately live right, and then it is a reliance upon the nature of God. In this lesson, I want to talk more on the theology and start in Ephesians chapter 4. Let me give you the scriptures first so that you can have the general uh, theology. And when I say theology, again, I mean the God logic, how God thinks about the value of a particular topic, subject, idea, passage of scripture, and, and the such. And we are always endeavoring to find the perspective of God on a matter, and that's why we call it theology. So I don't want you to get lost on the word theology of holiness, but I do want to take you to core scriptures that can help shape, frame the conviction, the characteristics of what holiness really is from God's perspective. Because the scriptures were not written by men, but as men were moved by the Holy Spirit. The scriptures were also written by, for our learning so that we, through the comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. So as we look into the scriptures today, let the word of God be the source of which you develop your concepts on holiness and all other forms just eradicated. And today we're going to give some principles that help you really locate the value of holiness. Amen. Now in Ephesians chapter 4, we see a beautiful passage in verse 17 through 32. It says, This therefore I say and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth now um, walk not as the other Gentiles in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being in times past, giving themselves over to lasciviousness, works of uncleanness and greediness. But ye have not so learned who? Christ. Christ is the Holy Ghost. And remember, the, the holiness is a direct reflection on the nature of God. We are we are doing our best to reflect the nature of God in our lives. Why do we do that? From the presence, from fellowship with God, finding out those things that make him holy. Remember when King Isaiah died, the uh, King Uzziah died, the scripture says the man of God saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up, and the trains filled the temple. And as a result, the angels looking at the beauty and the majesty and the nature of Christ begin to scream, Holy, holy, set apart. All right, so 
in this, it says, look, you have not so learned Christ, if so be ye have heard of him, and ye have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So part of part of this this concept is that that whatever we've learned in Jesus should should dispel anything that is contrary to Jesus. And that's where we get into the core theology of holiness. And this is what it what it does. That revelation in other words if your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is not pushing you and prompting you to do better and to experience a higher quality of life, your relationship with Christ Jesus may be compromised. Because here it says in verse 22 that ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that ye put on the put on the new man which after God is created. See, after God meaning that is fashioned after the nature of God and is created in, in righteousness and, and, and there's, here's a key word, true holiness. So as a result of holiness, be, uh, what what theology does that present? As you reflect on the nature of Christ and He transforms your life, you begin to get rid of things that are that are contrary to your life because it is a reflection of the nature of God. It's a revelation of His plans for humanity, and His plans involve righteousness. And any time you go after experience a quality relationship with God and you don't achieve righteous living, then something is wrong. Wherefore, put away lying, speaking. Um, okay, sorry, I lost my place. It's all right. It says, wherefore, put away, and of course, you know, the enemy don't want you to know this, but it's okay. Um, it says, wherefore, put away lying, speaking the truth of every man with his neighbor, for we, we are members of one another. In, in other words, we do this for the greater good of everybody. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him who steals steal no more, but rather let him labor with the working of his hands, the thing which is good, that he may give him that need of let no cor corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth, but that which is good to the use of the edifying, that they may minister grace to the hearer. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, and eat, and um, and evil clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ, the anointed one at his anointing, Say hath forgiven you. So those scriptures are powerful because it helps um, it helps us shape the conviction behind holiness. Let's go over to also Hebrews chapter twelve. Hebrews chapter twelve. I know. Did I give you the five scriptures? I want to give you just in case. I'll go to maybe one more and then we'll we'll move on for time's sake. Let's go to Hebrews chapter twelve. And um, the scriptures, the five passages, the theology of holiness is revealed in Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 32, Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 18, Romans chapter 6 is very powerful, 1 through 18, Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 17, and 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. And if you can, if you know those scriptures and you know the, the truth and you unplug those scriptures, uh, whether we get to them or not, you will be able to achieve personal holiness, okay? So um, ultimately we know that the what, is, what holiness teaches us is that God is, has high standards, that sin is 
conquerable and that righteousness is achievable. Because a lot of times you'll see those passages, and all of it is is we we look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and that and that's why if if he did it and and achieved it, achieved victory in the flesh, we can also do that in the flesh. Amen. Now, let's go to uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And let's read this passage. Of course, you know, Hebrews is a strong um, apologetic passage. And it helps us uh, really get the best out of 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 learning why we believe what we believe. So that's why I go to um Ephesians and Hebrews when we start this and of course this is a good way. We started in Isaiah, we were in the Old Testament last week, we we're in the New Testament this week. Um learning the theology, the God logic behind it because by this time the word of God had for the people of God had people had begun to put more and more together by the time this passage was writing. So they could appeal to us much stronger and give us the convictions behind the matter, the nature of God because because of the fact that time and the church had been mature by this point. Uh, the apostles had already been established. Many of them were martyred by this time, and the, the church was continuing. So you see a different age tr- church being introduced to some of the fundamentals here, uh, in which uh, all of us, um, all of us develop our relationship with God. So when it comes to holiness, if holiness is a reflection of His nature, it's one of His highest attributes, and because it's because it's attributed to God, then we too have to develop a high appreciation for it. And the Scripture says, "Wherefore, seeing also we are compassed with a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto who Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith." Now, again. If the holiness is a reflection of the nature of God, it is the essence of the of, of of our faith. Why is that? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Anyone that comes to God must believe that He is. How do you know that He is? You look at His nature, and that He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek who Him. So as we look into His nature and we desire to reflect His nature, that that becomes the core of our faith. Right, it says, look, um, looking at Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that um, was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. And it's very important, and I will tell you this, you, you need to believe in the deity and the distinctions of, of the Godhead. And you need to know that there is a Father, there is a Son, and there is a Holy Spirit. And they have, they have three separate uh, responsibilities, although they are one uh, uh, in, in, uh, in construct. Amen. And I'll take time to deal with the Godhead at another tape. But we've got to go on for time's sake. But you need to know, he, he is sitting on the right hand of the Father. For consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest he be wearied and faint in your own minds. Why does he say that? Because Jesus purposely came on the earth to show you that divinity could embrace, um, it can be embedded in humanity and achieve victory in this life. In you, in reality, he said, "Look, you, you can look to me because I dealt with the same temptations that you dealt with. 
I'm not just someone sitting at the right hand of God, but I was here and I conquered it and, and I endured the suffering just like you will have to endure so that so that you can consider this and not faint in your mind when it comes to establishing how you're going to reflect the nature of God. Ye, ye have not resisted unto blood striving against sin. That's what he says. And ye have not for, um, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you unto children. My son, despise not the correction or the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteth and scorneth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure the chastening of God, dealeth, uh, chastening God dealeth with you as a son. For what son whom hath the father chasteneth him not? But but if we but if we are without chasteneth, wherefore are all partakers? Then ye are bastards and not sons. What is he saying? If God doesn't have a place in your life where he can show you a better quality of life and correct you and conform you into his very image, then he's not raising you properly as someone that loves you. Because he wants you to be like him. He wants you to be in that same fashion. Furthermore, we have fathers of the flesh which have corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we much... Um, Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For verily in a few days chasing us after his own pleasure, but he put forth our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Do you see what the scripture is saying? Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. So he's not acting like that this process is easy. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields peaceable fruits of righteousness unto, um, unto them which are exercised thereby. So you got to put it to work. Wherefore, lift up your hands which hang down in feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet. In other words, get it together. Least that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let them rather be healed. So in the healing process is correction. Do you uh, you know healing is divine correction. Some people don't get that because they think healing is just a manifestation of God's power to transform. That's that's a miracle. Their reality into a restorative mode. But healing is divine correction. Here, according to this passage, here is a good it says, But rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall what? See the whole Lord. So in other words, healing is also an attribute of holiness. Looking diligently, least any man fail of the what? The grace of God, which is the power of God acting on my behalf, leaves any root of bitterness because he understands. When you're going through a process where correction is taking place, you got to watch out for bitterness springing up to trouble you and thereby defile you. And let there be, um, and let there be uh, any fornicator or profane person like Esau, which a morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know that afterward, when he would have inherited a blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. For ye are not coming to the mountain that ye might be touched, but burned with fire, nor blackness or darkness, and the sound trumpet of the voice. So it goes on to, to talk about, give examples of that. But why, why is all of this? And it goes on to give Moses. But it says, the general... Assembly, verse 23, and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, which are we, God is the judge of all, and to the spirit of the just men are made 
perfect or mature. And Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant and the blood sprinkling of better things, better than Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaker. So those passages really help shape and highlight our ooh, our dependence upon God. Now, let's go into the second part of this teaching. Um, what I want to discuss now very quickly is what do we do to authentically uh, develop holiness? Because a lot of people have a lot of concepts, but I want to give three basic things that you can do to authentically develop holiness, and then we're going to come back next week and and um, complete this series. And I'm going to give you five passages for each so that way you know um, this. And that's number one is to have a high intolerance for unrighteousness. Okay, uh, I'll take you to one passage, but the scriptures are Psalms 93, Psalms 93, verse 15, Romans 1.18, Jeremiah 22.13, Romans 6.13, and 1 John 5.17. Let's go to 1 John 5.17. Okay, the scripture says, quite frankly, all unrighteousness is sin, and there is there is sin unto death. Whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. So wherefore we know we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. We know that the Son of God is coming and has given us understanding, that we may know that is uh, him that is true, that we are in him true, even the Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true, this is the true God. The, and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And it says amen. All right? So we got to forbid the practice of sin, forsake fellowship with darkness, and follow not the world. And that scripture gives that passage, but it's in Psalms 93, 15, Romans 1, 18, Jeremiah 22, 13, Romans 6, 13, and 1 John 5, 17. That gives that this, the core behind having a high intolerance of unrighteousness. You got to develop that. Then also number 2, you got to have a heart of humility through the life of obedience. Second Chronicles 7:14, of course it says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will they hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and heal their land. You have to humble yourself. Which means to set your life in order. That's what it really means. It means to set your life in order. And not only that, sanctify God in your heart. Give him a special place. And, and you do that by seeking to please God. Second Chronicles 7.14, Proverbs 24.23, Matthew 18.4, James 4.6, 1 Peter 5.5. 5. Thirdly, you want to have a high regard for the help of the Holy Spirit. You want to have a high regard for the help of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that enables us to live the Christian life. And, of course, you know the scripture tells us, I love um, James uh, John fourteen twenty six, Because the Holy Spirit is sent as a guide, you want to rely on his help. Have a high regard for the help of the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. How is he going to help you? He's going to help you through and by his precious Holy Spirit. So in the Gospel of John, in the 14th chapter, the scripture declares 
that when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he, listen, and of course the whole chapter is powerful. Okay, it talks about why the scripture, why the Holy Spirit comes to convict, to conform. But but this scripture says very clearly. Um, he will he um whom the Holy Ghost will whom the Father will send in my name. Who's sending it? The Father. He will teach you the things that come and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever things I said to you, said unto you. Peace I will leave with you, and my peace I will give. So in other words, when the Holy Spirit has true access to your life, one of the initial signs that will come is the peace because it's because you're not as the world. And he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. Ye have heard I said unto you, I go away. But if I come again, you have loved, um, if you love me, you will rejoice because I said I go to the, my Father. And my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before to come before it come to pass that when he comes uh when it comes to pass ye might believe hereafter I will not talk much with you. And you got people praying to Jesus and all kinds of stuff that's going on because they don't hear what the scripture says about the role of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that enables us to live the Christian life. Let me give you one more passage um that's is quite profound. And let's go to Luke twelve twelve, okay, and we'll we'll finish with this with, with this passage. It's very it's very simple. Luke twelve twelve says, "For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say." Thank God we have the help of the Holy Spirit that enables us to speak, because as as a, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh, and and the and holiness. Is a personal thing. So when we continue with this lesson, we're going to look deeper into um, holiness, taking on these personal convictions that holiness yields and brings to our lives. And you need to know that God has great plans for you to achieve personal holiness. Amen. And it's going to start with having these scriptures and these words affirmed in your heart and apply it to your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, that your word is ever potent with power to transform our lives into the reality in which you have ordained for us to experience, and that is your kingdom, your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And, Father, we know that your kingdom is in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, Father, as we look on your nature and a, and a desire to learn more you more perfectly that we might serve you more faithfully have your way in our lives do what only you can do father anoint us to be the vessels of honor that honor you and worship you in the spirit and in the truth and father we delight in knowing you as the father of of our spirit that comforts and guides us and transforms us through your holiness and that you make it achievable to us we thank you and praise you for that which has been accomplished and that which have been revealed. We give you alone all glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Urban Glory Radio. Simply Glory.